In this episode of I Can't See You, I'll tell you about my appearance on episode 95 of That Real Blind Tech Show as a guest host. I'll tell you some stories from the blind bodega, including one where a customer just stopped talking to me right in the middle of a conversation. Listen up to find out why. And I'll tell you about my rheumatologist appointment where I heard a very, very familiar phrase. From Studio B in Swarthmore, this is the I Can't See You podcast with David. It's like blind people for dummies. Hello there, and welcome to episode 192 of I Can't See You. My name is David, at David Benj on all the socials. I really do appreciate you joining me for today's episode. And as usual, I've got a few things to talk about. If there is time, I'm going to talk a little about my Keystone Chapter meeting today. It wasn't really the meeting that I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about what happened after the meeting, but that may wait until next week. As I said, I have a few things to talk about, and I'm going to lead off with the All Blind Hockey League, in which we are still looking for a player or two. So if you have an interest in playing fantasy hockey this upcoming season, please reach out at I can't see you podcast at gmail.com. I can't see you podcast at gmail.com or call 646-926-6350 and let me know. And I will pass that along to Commissioner Frank and we will get you involved in that. It is a lot of fun. It's very different from fantasy football, though, but I do like it uh, just the same because there's a lot more strategy with picking up players and dropping players and trying to figure out who has how many games each week and and things like that. It is something you have to stay on top of way more than football, though, because of all the extra games in a week that they play in the NHL than they do in the NFL. So as I said, there's a few other things that I mentioned at the top, and one of them was that I was a guest host on That Real Blind Tech Show, episode 95. I was sitting in for Ed and basically just keeping his seat warm because can anybody fill in for Ed Plumacher? <laughs> he is away on vacation and soon to be playing alternative baseball in the Netherlands. And hopefully I'll talk more about that in the upcoming weeks. Uh, but I can't wait to hear about that. Uh, one of the people that is on the team is a guy named Mike Walsh, and I may have mentioned him in previous episodes. I am doing the website for his organization, Flight for Sight, which has received their 501c3 credentials as of a couple days ago, so that's great news for them. And their website should be launching very, very soon, so hopefully that will be up and running by the next time we speak. But in episode 95, it was a great Uh, interaction with the stories that we did and uh, me and the other folks there, uh, Janine and Allison and Brian. Uh, And again, I'm just sitting in. Uh, I am not in that league. Uh, I don't feel. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, But Brian sends out an outline and we go over these stories and there's links to the stories that we're going to talk about, and some of them are some of them are funny, some of them are a little outlandish. But one of the ones that I keep thinking about uh, is one that reminded me from back when I was a kid. Uh, we were hanging around by the pool, me and a few friends, and there was some sort of easy 
thing that could have been taken, and I don't remember what it was. It wasn't very expensive, whatever it was. And my dad was out there with us, and my dad said, wow, that's not really worth the risk of if you get caught taking it, you're going to get in big trouble, and the big trouble isn't worth whatever the value of whatever the thing was. He said, on the other hand, if you could steal $10 million, that's a different story. <laughs> and the, uh, one of the stories that we did on episode 95 of that Real Blind Tech show was about Bitcoin that had gotten stolen and a lot of it, a whole lot of it. And as many hundreds of millions of dollars that it was that was taken, it was only the sixth or eighth largest amount stolen this year in Bitcoin. So tune into that episode 95 of that Real Blind Tech show. It came out uh, earlier in the week. And I will put a link in the show notes for that. Another thing I wanted to mention, and I briefly touched on it last week, is about the Zoom H1N. I finally remembered to order the memory card for it. It came a day or two ago, so I'm going to set that up this weekend. And hopefully I will have some sounds of what goes on around me uh, over any given day or time. And hopefully I'll get some interesting things. Maybe I'll get some transactions from the blind bodega. And I do have some blind bodega stories coming up. Uh, this week is going to be a challenging travel week for me because the train line that I usually ride on the SEPTA regional rail lines is doing shuttle busing for a couple of stops. One of them being a stop that I need to get off at. So I have to get off a couple stops early and get on a bus and then go on the bus to 30th Street Station. It's going to add 20 minutes of travel time plus whatever kind of time I have to wait for the bus. And to boot, it's going to rain this week in this area, often on showers. But, you know, if I'm standing outside and there's no cover, which the station that you get off at, there is no cover, it makes it that much worse. So I've been trying to figure out a way how I'm going to get to my job at the Blind Bodega, which I'm really counting down, hopefully only has 10 days left there, but we'll see. Fingers are crossed for that. I'm going to get to that job in the same timely fashion that I do when I take the Media Elwin line into 30th Street Station. And about a month ago, I realized while standing on the platform and another train pulled up, there's a train that goes to Wilmington in Newark, Delaware. Well, they have a stop on that line in Ridley Park. And I always thought if there were ever an issue, if there ever was an issue with the Media Elwin line, that would be a possibility. Ridley Park isn't quite as close as the Swarthmore Station. It's certainly not walkable for me. I mean, it is because everything's walkable but in a decent amount of time. It's probably a mile and a half to two miles away, whereas Swarthmore is only about a mile away. But it's on a different line. It takes less time to get into Philadelphia. And the best part is it leaves about a half an hour after the train that I take now into Philadelphia on the Media Elwin line. Instead of 6.09 departure time from Swarthmore, I can take one that leaves at 6.41 in the morning. And I will still get to 30th Street Station in time to go to Dunkin' and get my tea and get Kirk his breakfast sandwich and then get across the street to the IRS building and start the day. So I'm very excited about that because I'll get, like I said, a half an hour of either extra sleeping time or a half an hour of chill time with Ziggy in the morning, which I'm not sure I want to 
do that before I go to work and be covered in dog hair, but we'll see. So I'll report back to that. Now, one of the other things with that is because of the track work that's going on, it's not going to leave us at the normal SEPTA platforms. It's going to leave us at the Amtrak platforms. The SEPTA platforms are upstairs. The Amtrak platforms are downstairs. And then the main concourse for 30th Street Station is in the middle. So I'll see how that goes. Anything new like that will have me wondering where to go and how to get there and so forth and so on. I'm not too worried because I'm going to get off the train coming into the station on Monday morning. So I'll just pay extra attention as I get off and going up the stairs or escalator or whatever. And I never use the escalator. I always take the stairs unless the stairs are not there. And I'll get a feel for where I have to go Monday afternoon to take the train back home to the Ridley Park station. So I'm interested to see how that goes. Who knows, maybe it'll be better for me and I'll just use that the rest of the time that I have working at the blind bodega. The bigger challenge will be is Kirk wants me to move on to his next venture, which is going to be the post office up on Byberry Road up in Northeast Philadelphia. And there's not an easy way for me to get to that. I, I looked into public transport and it's roughly two and a half hours of tra uh, transport time from leaving my house to getting to that place. And I am not prepared to spend five hours traveling each day to work an eight hour or so shift. It's just not doable. Uh, 13 hours uh, would not give me time to do this podcast or White Canes Connect or basically anything other than showering, eating, and sleeping while I am not either traveling to or working. But we'll see how it goes, and uh, I am willing to give it a try. Certainly not worth taking an Uber to where I need to go. Again, that would still probably be about an hour in travel time, and I don't know what kind of expense that would be with Uber, but uh, I'm not prepared to spend half of a day's paycheck just to get there and back. Uh, and in fact, there and back, it might take the whole paycheck. So of course, not worth it, but we'll see. As I said, I'll give it, I'll give it a go. And while we're speaking of jobs, I can mention this about Liz. Liz went to a job fair at the IRS on Wednesday of last week, or of this week, I guess I should say. By the time you hear it, it will be last week, because I doubt I'll have this up before midnight tonight, and I'm recording again on Saturday evening. I found out about it because I'm in the IRS building and I hear everybody talking and I told her about it and she was interested and they have many jobs available and they're looking for hundreds of people. And as one lady who was busy buying two five hour extra energy, <laughs> uh, energy drinks, she said, we'll hire anybody who's willing to work and has a pulse. <laughs> And I texted Liz that, and she was, I guess, happy to hear that. And Liz is not interested in the entry-level position there. It's not, certainly wouldn't be enough to carry us, though I don't know that she wants anything more than a level or two above that. We'll see what's available. The sad part has been anybody that showed up that day was to receive an offer, and they had such an overwhelming reply to this job fair that she did not get an offer. In fact, most of the folks that showed up, only about 
a half to two thirds got offers that day because there were so many people. It was supposed to go until three. Liz didn't get done until about five. And by that time, the only thing she did was submit her resume to someone there. And she could have done that just as she got there and been done with it and later found out what happened. She was supposed to find out Thursday or Friday of what they were going to offer. She hasn't found out anything yet. So Monday, she will get in touch with them to see what the story is. She's not super excited to work there. But again, it is government work. Their benefits are outstanding. And it might be something that she could do um, with a bit of a flexible schedule and things like that. So we'll see how it goes. And uh, obviously, I'll let you you know what goes on there. So I mentioned at the top that I went to my rheumatologist this week. And I also mentioned that I heard a phrase that is all too familiar with me. (laughs) And I've heard it from every aspect of my life whether it has to do with medical issues, business issues, personal issues, anything. The phrase from someone else, I've never seen anything like that, has been uttered to me more times than I care to remember. And when I went to my appointment this week, as I've mentioned, uh, I've been in a ton of pain. And whatever that new medicine has done for me, it hasn't helped. And maybe the only thing it's done has been bad for me. And that is Stolera that I'm talking about, or Stellara. It's that. So when I went in and I sat down in his office, and he came in and he said, so tell me how the medicine's working out. I basically said to him, it sucked. And that I was in agony. And I felt not even a little bit better from taking it. I told him I took the first shot on June 14th and the second shot on July 11th. I then told him that the hypotony that I have in my left eye, I believe, was caused by the shots, by the Stellara. And I told him I couldn't confirm that because, of course, there could be other issues going on, again, with my track record and my uh, eyes and their condition over the 57-plus years that they've been working or not working. Who knows what it is? But it just seemed kind of fishy to me that after the cornea transplant in April, within a few days, I was seeing a little bit better and more clear, or more clearly, I guess is the proper English, and getting better to where I saw the 2350 line, and the doctor had to remind me that I'm still blind, I now can count fingers at about four feet, as I mentioned previously. And could it be something else that has made that the case? Sure, it could, could have been, but I, I really believe it's from that medicine. And as their saying goes, first do no harm, and that didn't do that. That shot, or those shots, because I had two. Now, I wasn't scheduled for the next one until mid-October because it's an every three months, every 12-week kind of thing once you take the first two doses. And when I told him all this, he said, we're going to switch you off. That, that I've never heard something like that. Most people come in and they say, wow, doc, you wouldn't believe how great I feel. And that would only be a dream to me. 
because I, as I've said, I still feel crappy. In fact, today at the Keystone meeting that we had at the Penn Museum, I was walking around just to keep moving and I could only wish to do something with my hands to stop them from hurting and my wrist from hurting because obviously walking, I kept warm and kept my legs going and my feet felt pretty good then and my knees and whatnot from moving around. In fact, in the 10 o'clock, from 10 o'clock to 12 o'clock, in those two hours, I walked over 5,000 steps just in a room while the meeting was going on. Hopefully I was quiet enough and didn't disturb anybody. I know how annoying it is to people <laughs> as I walk around a room and I was trying to be quiet and I didn't bump into anything. So that was good. Uh, but yeah, over 5,000 steps and I was pressing and flexing my hands and shaking my hands to try and get the, get the pain to stop. And it just didn't. And then, as I mentioned, we did some other things and, and it was difficult for me to do on my phone and my, with my right wrist hurting so much that it was just, it added to the frustration of everything else that was going on. And, it, and I'll talk about that next week. I'll talk about the, the stuff we did at this post-meeting event. And so the doctor said, okay, well, I'm going to put you on prednisone again until we get you approved for the next medicine. It's called TALTS or TALTS, T-A-L-T-Z, something like that. I'm sure there are crazy side effects with that. But at this point, the side effects, like the, like the risk with the $10 million, if you could steal it, are worth it to me because of my level of discomfort every day, all the time. So we'll see how that goes once and if I get approved. That's, and that's another issue that I'm a little concerned with because Liz has left Walden. We're paying for her insurance that she got from there, of which I'm part of the plan. But what happens when we have to switch once she gets a job either at the IRS or somewhere else? What do we do then? So everything is in limbo there. The, the funny thing is... <laughs> The, the medicine that I was on, the Stellara or this Taltz, I'm sure is also expensive. When Liz went to fill my prescription for the prednisone, she had her credit card out and she talks to the person at the prescription desk saying she's there to pick up the medicine for me. The girl tells her it's $1.47. And she put her credit card away and found $1.50 in her purse <laughs> to pay. Which is kind of funny that usually the thing that helps the most costs the most. And this obviously does not. Now, of course, uh, two things. The first thing being that I've been on this medicine for a few days now, and I'm not really feeling much relief, which is concerning to me, which kind of worries me to the point where what am I going to have to do to feel fairly comfortable on any given day? And the second issue is, of course, more serious. You can't stay on a steroid for a long time because it decreases your bone density and then makes you susceptible to breaks and all sorts of other bone issues. So we'll see how it goes. I'm not holding my breath to see how long it takes for me to get approved from my insurance company for the other med, but we'll see what goes on. And hopefully it won't take too long, but I'm guessing it'll take at least a month, um, 
probably more. I've got a few stories from the blind bodega. I was in every day this week, other than the half a day that I missed when I went to my rheumatologist appointment. And I just realized while I was there, I don't hate working the job because it's a hard job. I hate that it takes me away from doing the things that I love. Building the websites, editing podcasts, creating podcasts, and things like that. And that's what disappoints me so much about going in every day, spending those 11 plus hours either working or getting to or from the job. It's not that I'm actually doing the hard work. I don't mind the hard work. It's that it's taking me away from doing the work that I love to do. And yes, that work doesn't pay very well, at least not right now. And I am getting compensated while I am at the blind bodega. But each day, there is some issue that I just never imagined would be such an issue and would get me so frustrated. Some days it's my coworkers. Some days it is things going on within the business where things are not on the point of sale system. So it takes a long time to ring somebody up if the scanner doesn't work. Sometimes it's equipment issues. And that happened on Friday to the point where I thought I was going to explode. I was so frustrated. The line builds up, even though there might only be a couple of people in the store. When the internet is down, which happens every day, usually at the same time, and you can't process a credit card, it then makes the whole line back up until you can either set it to offline mode where you can swipe a card and hope that it is okay once you're back online. And it's just frustrating because everybody's looking at you knowing that, hey, that guy can't do something or why is he taking so long? And my biggest thing is to get a customer in and out once they've made their selection to get them in and out as quickly as possible. I don't want them to wait there. I don't like to wait at the cash register. I don't like to wait in a line and I don't want them to do it either. That is my main goal. In that episode where I told you about my discussion with Michelle, the ex-employee that Kirk had who quit, she said, I'm doing customer service too by filling the drink case and filling the shelves with product. Yes, you're correct. You are doing that, Michelle. But when they're in line, they've already made their choice. They don't give a damn what's in that cooler now. They've got something they're happy with both to drink and to eat or whatever, and they're ready to go. They don't want to spend another second in that store. And that is why when there's an equipment issue or some other issue that delays them getting out the door, it frustrates me as much as it frustrates them. And a couple of times this week, there were times where I'm ringing people up and I noticed, uh-oh, there's no hot dogs. So I go put some on when I have a second. Then I run behind the counter and I start ringing some people up. My timer goes off on my phone. I run back to the hot dog machine, put on a pair of gloves, and I only get three hot dogs off before more customers come in that I got to go back behind the counter. 
and ring them up. And then that line is not ending. So I can only get another hot dog or two off and into the hot box. And I'm running back and forth. And the thing that bothers me, I try to get the gloves off because you have to use gloves when you're touching the food because I certainly don't have time to stop and wash my hands and use my bare hands. So I'm putting on the gloves and then I'm taking off the gloves. If I can, I take the gloves off and put them on a paper towel so that I could reuse them. Otherwise, I'd, I'd run through probably 20 pairs of gloves each day. So that frustrates me when I can't get them off before they either get a little too done or I've got to turn the heat down so that they don't get burnt. And again, I want them... At one point this week, I was making hot dogs and there was nothing in the case. And people say, oh, I want a hot dog. And I would run over and I would... First, I'd ring them up and then I'd wait on a couple of people and then I'd run over and bag up however many hot dogs or hot sausage or... Uh, I'm sorry, spicy sausage or um, jalapeno cheddar hot dogs and then hand them to them knowing that they've already paid me. Doing it all on my own for the most part. And by the time I got done with all the customers in the store and I got the hot dogs off, maybe there were only now three hot dogs to put in the hot box after I made 10 or 12, which that means I got to go start all over again. And it's just a constant back and forth running from the back room fridge to get the hot dogs, put them on the thing, run them back, put them back in the fridge, run back to the front counter, so forth and so on. And it's just frustrating to me to, to do that. And, and I do worry because I do at sometimes run through the store. And as I mentioned a few episodes ago, I've run into one person already. I've also run into some shelving that I had since removed, but we got some additional product in so we put them back out this shelving that kind of kind of like a wing on an end end cap that when it was empty I took them off because why leave them there I was the only one running into them and they served no purpose since there was no product in them so they're back on there now with some Knott's Berry Farm premium cookies strawberry and shortcake they're a dollar a bag if you're interested (laughs) I don't know how good they are I haven't heard any results uh, from customers but it's funny now when I see different products in different products in other places, I say, "Oh, we sell those." Today on our ride home from uh, the Keystone chapter meeting and the other thing that I'll tell you about next week, we were talking about candy bars and old-time candy bars, and every time they mentioned a candy bar, I said, "Oh, we sell that. We sell that at the blind bodega." So it's kind of funny how. Uh, seeing all that. And it's also incredible to me that the soda tax in Philadelphia is so outrageous. People come in and they, they think that a bottle of soda is $2.25. That's all Kirk gets from a bottle. But when you get done entering the sales tax and the soda tax, it takes it from $2.25 to $2.75. 50 cents in taxes. Just outrageous. I know soda's not great for you, but there's a lot, of, a lot of other things that aren't great for you, and there's no crazy tax on it like that. And uh, it just, it's just unreal. So the two stories that I have, and if you thought you were done with the blind bodega stories, you'd be wrong. <laughs> there was two different transactions I had this week that I guess I should be happy about because these people must not know that I couldn't see. One was a guy had come in and he said something like, oh, you really don't have a lot in that soda cooler. 
we were explaining how busy we've been, and it has been extremely busy. And I've told you before that we only have the one soda cooler. So, you know, he was saying, why don't you use that other cooler and things like that? And, and then we were explaining how they were, they were down. We were waiting on somebody to fix them or replace them. And then he went into something else, something about the popcorn. Again, they weren't very positive comments. And then as we were wrapping up with the popcorn, he's waving and shaking a $10 bill in his hand at me. I don't know if he thought by doing that I would hear it so I'd be able to see it and grab it, but he wasn't putting it in the normal spot. He was lifting it up with his arms straight out, not down below where I had just placed his soda or whatever he got. And he's waving it around and shaking it. And finally, I reached up and I, I took it from him. And I thought, was he doing that because he doesn't know I can't see or he does know I can't see and he was trying to make it make noise so I would know where to grab. I just thought that was a little bit rude and <laughs> out of line. The other one was even weirder. And as I mentioned in the teaser before the show, I was having a conversation with a woman who was buying a couple of things and I mentioned something to her and I asked her a question. And she didn't respond. And I know sometimes, especially towards the end of the day, I'm getting tired. I'm wearing a mask. Maybe she didn't hear me. So I say it a little bit louder. Still nothing. I say it a third time. And the guy behind her says, he's asking you if you want a bag or I, I don't remember what it even was. And she says to me, oh, but he wasn't looking at me. I didn't know he was talking to me. And I thought, okay, maybe you didn't know I was talking to you, but why would I stop talking to you and in the same tone and volume continue to speak like I'm having another conversation with someone else? Because I, I wasn't having a conversation with the guy behind her. So it was just weird. And when I explained to her, I said, I said, I, I apologize because I'm blind and you know, I don't really know where I'm looking most of the time. And the only spot that I have a little bit of vision that's worth using is out of the lower left-hand side of my left eye. So if I wasn't looking directly at you, but a little bit to my right, that means I was looking at you with the best possible vision that I have from the lower left-hand corner of my left eye. I, I understand that you might not realize I'm still speaking to you, even though it was same, the same part of the same conversation. It wasn't like we were talking about the, con, uh, about the transaction, and then I said, hey, it's a pretty warm day out there. It all was part of the same conversation. And I just thought that was funny. And again, some people just don't know that I can't see. And I think that's good, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. And meanwhile, other people will come, <laughs> other people will come up. Uh, I have a bag of hers chips. I have a bag of Snyder's pretzels. I have this 12-ounce Coke. And I've got this tasty cake. But meanwhile, I've got to scan them all. So it's great that they're telling me. But the best part, they'll say, and I'm handing you a 20 or I'm handing you a 10 or whatever. So then I don't, I kind of just have to glance at it. Most of the time, I can tell what a denomination is, whether it's seeing the face of the 
person on the front, or on some days I can see the number on the back. And I go by that. But if a person's telling me they're handing me a 10, I'm usually taking their word for it. So immediately when I know what the prices of the transaction, I don't punch in what they give me. I punch in the exact dollar amount of what the transaction is, $3.83. So I know when I get whatever they give me, I'm going to count backwards from that. They hand me a 10, I'm going to, I'm going to grab two pennies, a nickel, a dime, a dollar, and then a $5 bill. And then I count it backwards to them. That makes four, one is five, five is 10. People don't do it that way anymore. Nobody in the store does it that way, except for me. Everybody else punches in $10 and they say, okay, you have $6.17 coming back. Now, I will hand money back like that if it is, let's say, $7.02 and they hand me $20.02. I will count it down, count it back saying, okay, you got three ones and a 10, so you got $13 coming back. One, two, three is 10, 10 is 20. Or I'll say 10, 11, 12, 13, and I'll hand them the money. Everybody does it that way for every transaction. And again, I only do it that way when there's not an easy way to count it backwards back to make them their whole bill, whether it's a $20 bill, a $10 bill, whatever. So, and lastly, I've realized this week, I can judge pretty quickly each day when I get in, when I start to ring somebody up and I can tell how good or how bad my vision is that day. The first, the first thing that I, the first way I can tell any given day is when I get on the scale each morning, how clearly I can see the numbers on the scale. And because I am on that scale a half an hour to 45 minutes before dawn, not a person, the thing that happens every morning. It's dark out, so there's no glare to contend with. So I usually have an okay chance at seeing the numbers on the scale when I'm going to the blind bodega. During the weekends, not always the case. Today when I got on, it was sunny out because I didn't get up until 7.30. So I got on the scale a little after 8. And I was able to see most of the numbers and I got on again to confirm what my weight was. The next thing during the week that I confirm how good my vision is, is when I'm looking for a barcode. There are some days when my vision is so bad, everything looks like a barcode. Any lines of writing that may be looking like just lines, I try to scan. Sooner or later, I find the barcode. Sometimes I have to ask the customer, is this the barcode? Because sometimes the scanner doesn't work and read the barcode. And that's what's really frustrating. Sometimes I think I'm scanning the barcode and I'm not. And then when I scan it, it scans right away. But there's other times when I'm trying to scan what I think is the barcode. It is the barcode, but the scanner's not working. So I, I have to look dumb and I've got to ask the customer and I say, this is the barcode, right? And that, that gets very frustrating to me. But like I said, hopefully we're in the home stretch. And uh, I believe the bids come out on Wednesday. I'm hoping the guy wants to take over ASAP. So I'm out the door there and I get back to a somewhat normal schedule for me. And if I've learned anything, I will start working a little earlier and go to bed a little earlier, but not 
at midnight or in the 12 o'clock hour. But today, like I said, I got up at 7.30. That was fairly reasonable. So I could go to bed sometime in the 1 or 2 o'clock hour, and that's, that's a good amount of sleep. So we'll see how it goes. Please keep your fingers crossed for me. I am so hopeful. That's all I have for this episode, episode 192 of I Can't See You. Please reach out with questions, comments, show ideas, whatever you've got. Please reach out, 646-926-6350. You have up to three minutes. Leave your name and town if you do leave a message. Again, questions, comments, show ideas, any kind of feedback you want to give me. And any kind of feedback you do give or question, obviously, I will play it on an upcoming episode. I'd really love to hear from you. You can also reach out via email, I can't see you podcast at gmail.com. I can't see you podcast at gmail.com. And show notes, as always, are available at I can't see you.com. Remember, I can't see you sounds like a whole sentence, but it's only seven characters long. I C A N T C U dot com slash 192 for this episode. So when if you want to look at show notes from any episode and you know the episode number, you just have to enter I can't see you.com slash whatever the number is. And I always use three digits. So if it's episode 46, it would be 046. So again, show notes for this episode, I can't see you.com slash 192. I really do appreciate you listening to this episode of I can't see you. Stay safe, be well, And I will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the I Can't See You podcast with David. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And don't forget to share the podcast with your friends.